0: All right. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Hauska Yolua. That's all I got. Just three so far. That's finished. My name is Peter. If you're visiting, uh, I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. It's good to see all of y'all's beautiful faces in here and beautiful babies. Um, I want to announce the week five of six of the sermon I'm about to introduce. We're in the Blessed Life series. And uh, if you haven't been here for the rest of this series, uh, today's a perfect day to jump right in to a money sermon the week of Black Friday. Uh, and I have a verse I want to share. I'll get to that in a second. But this is a pre recorded sermon series that we've been doing that I've shared some thoughts. And uh, the best part of my message is uh, Pastor Robert on the screen. Um, he is from Gateway Church in Dallas, and we've been uh, interacting with this, this information and this revelation uh, from God's Word, and it's been extremely timely for me, and I hope and trust for you as well. Um, now, we're in week five of six of the Blessed Life series, and this is the perfect Sunday if this is your first Sunday. It's a perfect Sunday and Thanksgiving weekend to talk about generosity, which we're going to talk about. I mean, seriously, in our nation, how do we so make such an abrupt shift from Thanksgiving to Black Friday in one week? You couldn't have two more antithetical days running right into each other so abruptly. Just leave it to us to pull that one off, right? I mean, seriously. Uh, Thanksgiving was instituted in a difficult time. You know, uh, Sarah Hale, who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb, petitioned the government for decades to make an official National Day of Gratitude and Thanksgiving. And Abraham Lincoln in 1863, in the middle of a very tenuous and costly war, uh, instituted Thanksgiving to give thanks to God in a, in a moment of healing, where our, na- our nation was being purged of the evil of slavery. It was starting the purging, and there was reconciliation before God and before one another, and this, this date was a moment of healing for our nation. Uh, one of the reasons, perhaps, that God uh, has put up with us still. And then how did we get to Thanksgiving? From Thanksgiving to Black Friday. It shows that we still need mercy and grace from God. And, and, and as we receive it, to be grateful for it more and more and more. So here's my, here's my verse that might not seem like it has anything to do with money, and yet it does, right? Psalm 103, verse 8. This is the framework that I, I go into to get up every day, I hope. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So here's my encouragement to you. No matter what your Black Friday was like or your weekend was like, No matter if you're feeling super thankful today in the spirit and just totally, uh, at your best self, or if you're not, what's most important is who God is. And God is so merciful to allow his person to renew day by day, our person. And so I'm going to ask you to, to give yourself and your heart and your ears to this sermon. And I'll come back at the end of pastor Robert's message and I'll close.
1: Welcome to the services. Well, I want to welcome all the churches too that are joining us by simulcast. Uh, We're so grateful that you're here. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 12. We're in the series The Blessed Life, and uh, today's message is entitled, Am I Generous? Am I Generous? And let me tell you something that happened to me. Um, I went to Walmart. And I was standing in line, there was a guy standing in front of me and he had his stuff on the conveyor belt there. We already had the little rod between my stuff and his stuff, little bar thing. And he was looking to get some breath mints and he was, look, I could tell he was wrestling with something. And I thought, what's he wrestling with, you know? And then he took the breath mints and he set them down on the conveyor belt and he took another bar and he put it between uh, his stuff. And the, the, I put the bar and then of course my stuff was behind with another bar, but he was separating the, the breath mints from the stuff he already had there. And then he turned around, he just kind of turned around like this and saw me and he just started crying. And I I didn't know I had that effect on people, you know, (laughs) I, I, I mean, he just starts crying. And then he said, pastor Robert, I have to tell you, he said, I'm a pastor and, um, I've been listening to your blessed life series. And you shared about uh, if you're not faithful with little things, you know, uh, who will give you true riches. And he said, I had to buy some stuff for the church but I needed some breath mints. And I was wrestling with, you know, I need to pay for these breath mints separately. This is not a church expense, this is a personal expense. And even though it's a dollar, I need to be faithful. And uh, and so, and then he said, and then I turned around and saw you standing there. (laughs) And he said, I was actually thinking right before I did this, what would Robert Morris do? And then he saw me, you know, and I I told him, I said, you ought to get a, a WWRMD bracelet. I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's keep it WWJD. But the point is, I said to him, I said, you know, it's amazing. Yes. That I was standing here and you were thinking, what was I doing? But even if I were not here and didn't see this, God saw it. God sees these little things. And. So I said, told him, I'm proud of you. And here's what I want to say to all of you. I'm proud of you because you're doing it. You know, if I were preaching on witnessing and we were seeing a lot of people, more people getting saved, I'd say to you, I'm proud of you because you're doing it. If, we're, if I was preaching on prayer and you were beginning to pray more, I'd say, I'm proud of you in the same way. Uh, I know you're giving more. I know you're stepping out in faith and sometimes, it, and it's real difficult for many of you. I want you to know, I'm proud of you as your pastor I'm proud of you. As a matter of fact, I didn't even share this with other services, but it just came to my mind. Uh, January was the largest tithe that Gateway Church has ever received, the month of January. So I'm I'm proud of you. I want you to know that. So, all right. So we're talking about, am I generous? John chapter 12, look at verse one. It says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead... "'whom he had raised from the dead. "'There they made him a supper, and Martha served, "'but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. "'And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, "'anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. "'And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil, "'but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, "'Simon's son, who would betray him, said,' Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, watch verse 6 very carefully. Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box, which was the offering box, and he used to take what was put in it. He actually took from the offering. Isn't that amazing? That's why he made that. Okay. So, When when I read this, I thought of two questions. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift, such a generous gift? Why would she do that? And I'll, I'll explain to you later how extravagant it was. And then the second question is, and why would it get Judas upset? There are two hearts displayed here. A heart of generosity and a heart of selfishness. And I want you to notice what revealed each heart giving. That's what revealed. So when I say am I generous, I, I put it in the first person so that when you say it, you're asking yourself, and when I say it, I'm asking me. Because to be honest, sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. I still battle with this. So let me tell you some things about generosity, right? Here three things. Number one, the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Now, by the way, we're talking about generosity and selfishness. Let me, let me just say something. Generosity begins with a G. Selfishness begins with an S. All right? Listen, God is generous. Satan is selfish. Just so you can always remember. All right? God's generous. And we're, we're all born selfish. We are. But we're born again generous. That's the great news. We just have to renew our minds. We really want to be. If I said to you, you, you really want to, don't you? You say, yeah, I, I, I want to. I just don't see how I can do it or I'm strapped or whatever. And we want to help you do that. But we, I want to be generous. Uh, I said we're all born selfish. And if you think about it, one of the first words that a child learns to pronunciate very well is the word, mine, 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 mine. And and a child learns to say it at such a pitch that it will hurt a nerve that you have in your back. You'll be watching the game or something, and here's what you hear from another room. Mine, 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 mine. You ever heard that? And and, and the parent has to get up and go through the house and find that sound and you get to another room and it's normally a younger child pulling something from an older child, right? And the younger child is saying, mine, 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 right? Okay, let me explain something to you. There's a place where every parent comes to when we don't care anymore about justice. (laughs) We care about quiet. We don't care whose toy it is. We just want it to be quiet. And so we end up saying something like this to the older child. Give it to her. <laughs> and the older child says, but dad, it really is mine. Give it to her. She has things of mine too. Give it to her. <laughs> is that right? So we, we've got this word mine. That's why I think. Because God wants us to understand and grow out of this, listen to me, God actually uses that word, mine, when he refers to the tithe. He says, it's mine. Don't touch it. This is an amazing story because when it talks about Judas, he makes this statement. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? You ever heard that statement before? Can I just remind you who originated that statement? Judas, why wasn't that soul given to the poor? We we do this a lot because we we see the extravagance or the perceived extravagance of someone else. By the way, let me give you a def, definition of extravagance: the one who has more than you. That's extravagant. Now that neighborhood there, that's an extravagant neighborhood until you get a raise and move into that neighborhood. Now that one's not extravagant, but now that one's extravagant. That's extravagance. See, here's what we do. We always want to point to someone else, so we don't have to point to us. Uh, we were one time there was a pastor in town that was seeing the church and spending some time with me, and we were going to my home and we passed a, a very large home, not in my neighborhood, but a very on the way to my neighborhood. We passed this big old house, uh, you know, with land and the pond and all this stuff, and uh, this guy said to me, "Look at that house." And I said, yeah, uh, that's actually one of our members. And uh, he's, a, he's a really generous person. And the guy, the pastor went like this. Like that. When I said he's a generous person, he said, he, said, he ought to sell that and give it to the poor. And I decided that I needed to minister to him. <laughs> and so I said to him, you don't care about the poor. And he said, what? Because remember, Judas said that and it said... This, he said, not that he cared for the poor. I said, You don't care about the poor. He said, What? I said, You don't care about the poor because if you cared about the poor, you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. And by the way, I said, The one who made that statement up was Judas, the one who betrayed our Lord. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I just want you to know sometimes as long as we can say someone else isn't doing what they should be doing and we don't even know what they're doing. Then we don't have to look inside and see if we're generous or if we're selfish. Now here's another thing that amazes me about this uh, story in the Bible. It says Judas had the money box or the offering box. Uh, Jesus was in traveling ministry. This was an offering box. People gave offerings. We know that from scripture. People gave offerings to him. So what's shocking to me is who gave Judas the money box well let me ask you this question who's the leader of this bunch okay so do you think Jesus knew he was a thief when he gave him the money box (laughs) I know he knew because two years before this two years Jesus said did I not choose you twelve and one of you is a devil he knew So why would he do this? Listen, he didn't do it for Judas to fail. He did it to give him an opportunity to pass. See, God will test you, not tempt. James says God tempts no one. Not tempt you. And he also provides a a way of escape every time you're tempted. But God will actually test you in your finances and give you an opportunity. Now, isn't it amazing, too, that God says uh, the, the Bible tells us he was a thief. And God says in Malachi, the people who don't tithe are stealing from me. Okay. He used to take what was taken. He, he took stuff, took money out of the money box, the offering box. Okay. Some churches have boxes, some pass the plate, some have a little bag. It, it really doesn't matter what the method is of giving, but here's, let me, uh, the question for you. Is there anyone here or or watching at another church or another campus, is there anyone, anyone that would take money out of the offering? There's none of us. None of us would do that, would we? Okay, let me ask you another question. Anyone, is there anyone that would keep money in their account that actually belongs in the offering? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Isn't that the same thing It's taking out? None of us, when the plate came by, would take some money out. Now, I do have a friend that shortly after I got saved, when the plate came by, he uh, made change. <laughs> I remember saying, what are you doing? I, did, I had to make change. I just, you know. So, he doesn't do that anymore. He's a pastor now. <laughs> so, All right, so the enemy of generosity is selfishness. All right, here's the number two, the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. The reason I say extravagance is because God's a generous God and God gave an extravagant gift. Remember, his son. It's pretty extravagant. And there are several extravagant gifts in the Bible. Lots of them. I could name several of them. Uh, David gave $21 In today's economy, what David gave to the temple would be equivalent to 21 billion with a B. That's extravagant. Um, I'll tell you another extravagant gift a lot of people don't think is extravagant, but Jesus said it was extravagant. The widow gave two mites. See, it, it's not the amount, it's the attitude behind the amount. This uh, Mary gave 300 denarii. Denarii is the plural of denarius. The word denarius means a day's wage, a day's wage. I've had uh, students ask me, uh, how much is a day's wage? I said, well, what are you talking about, 10 AD or 30 AD? Because it'd be like the minimum wage. You understand? It changes. So 300 denarii, you would work about 300 days a year. So that was just common vernacular for a year's wage, a year's wage. So let me ask you. Would a year's salary, whatever your salary is, for you to give that in one lump sum, would that be extravagant? Sure it would. For all of us, right? Okay, let me ask you something else. Would that be extravagant to pour on someone's feet? Because that's what she did. And Jesus said, she actually did this for the day of my burial. This is the only anointing, by the way. That Jesus received because it was too late when they put him in the tomb to anoint his body. So, they actually came back with a hundred pounds of spices on Sunday morning, you know, first day of the week to to uh, anoint his body because they couldn't anoint it before they put him in the tomb. Uh, so, they come back that morning and then it says they came back early, but um, Jesus had already checked out. <laughs> so, that's extravagant. So, um, let's… That's an extravagant gift, but could you give a gift to God that would impress him? I'm talking about an amount now. Uh, the one who owns everything. The one who, by the way, uh, paves his streets with gold. Not, not because he's trying to show off. Uh, it's just laying around. You know, you heard about the guy that snuck gold bars into heaven. Somehow he snuck them in. He had a suitcase. And Peter said to him, What do you have in a suitcase? And he opened up real pridefully. He said, Look, I got got some gold bars here. And Peter said, You brought asphalt? (laughs) So God paves his streets with gold, he has 12 foundations to the New Jerusalem, 12 foundations and all of the foundations are made of precious stones. By the way, New Jerusalem is 1,380 miles long and 1,380 miles wide and 1,380 miles high. And again, it's not because he's trying to impress anyone, he just got a bunch of diamonds and rubies laying around. And his gates are made of pearl. And if they're that high, they could be 1,380 miles high. The gates, I don't know how high they are. So could you give something to God that would impress Him? Absolutely. Did you know you could? Uh, 2 Corinthians 8.5 says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Uh, the scripture in the Old Testament says God rejoices over you. you. You know what that word means? It means he jumps up and twirls about. He jumps up and down and twirls around. See, it's not the amount, it's the attitude. It's that you give him your heart. And don't tell me that he has your heart if he doesn't have your money. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So actually, when God does get our heart, he gets our treasure. Um. There are three levels of giving, by the way, if you don't know this, and I've done lots of study in the area of giving, three levels of giving. And I saw this years and years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago, uh, tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And nearly every uh, gift you see in Scripture falls under the area of a tithe, an offering, or an extravagant offering. I remember when I saw that, I called Steve Doolin, one of our elders, and a close friend of mine. And uh, I said to him, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? And he said, yep. I said, you do not. <laughs> Made me mad because, you know, when a preacher finds something in the Bible, we don't think anybody else knows it. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to a layman, you know, a guy that owns a company. I said, at that time, and I said, hey, I said, you don't either. I said, what, what are the three levels in? He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> That's said, well, it's close enough. Yeah. Did you know, though, that most Christians never get to the first level of giving? You know how many Christians last year tithed 10% of their gross income to their local church? Undesignated, by the way. The, by the way, you, the reason that it's undesignated, you can't say I want 5% here and 3% here and 2%. The reason you can't designate your tithe is because it doesn't belong to you. And people do want to designate money because they want to control Can I say that again? Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people try to buy me. If I give a big gift, will you do this? I just go and answer it. no. No. So you can't designate. So you know how many Christians actually give ten percent of their gross income to their local church? It's between five and seven percent. So only ninety-three to ninety-five percent. Ninety-three to ninety-five percent. Let me say it this way: of all believers. Never even get to the very first level of giving. Here's the great news, though. If you ever get to the first level, you'll get to the second and the third because the first level breaks the curse and opens the windows of heaven over you. <laughs> I told you about Steve a moment ago and the Lord, when he said painful offerings, one of the reasons he said that was because God asked him one time to give a very extravagant offering. I think God asked every person several times in their lives to give an extravagant offering, but it might be different for you, Okay. So, I want to say that, clarify that as I, as I talk about this, and um, next week is Pastor Jimmy Evans, and then the next week we 'll conclude the series and i 'll share with you our giving testimony uh, for of Debbie and me, how God began us on this journey but so one time, Steve and Melody Steve had paid all the bills and got down to the bottom of his um, checkbook. Now, you need to know that Steve owned a company for many years and now works with our business ministry and and sold his company and uh made millions of dollars and gave millions of dollars away matter of fact for 15 years he gave 50 percent of his income to the kingdom so uh god had blessed him tremendously financially so one day he's adding up he pays his bills and he looks at the amount that's left over in his checking account and he thought god you've been so good to me and then he just thought i wonder how much cash i have and he had no debt no mortgage no no company debt no debt at all So he went to his savings account, and he took that number and added it to his checking balance. And then he went to an investment account that he had, and he added that to the other two. And then he went to his retirement account, and he added all four numbers, and he had a a very, very large number. And uh, he went to bed. Next morning, he got up, and he was having his quiet time. The Lord said to him, how much money do you have? And he said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added that up. (laughs) And he'd heard my testimony about giving everything away. And he thought, I wonder if God's ever going to ask me to do that. And here was this time where he knew exactly how much he had. So the Lord said, how much money do you have? And he said, what do you mean, God? I mean, do you mean like in my wallet? You mean how much do I have in my wallet? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He said, what do you mean? You mean like in my checking account? What do you mean? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He was saying to him, you know what I mean. You know exactly how much you have. You added it up last night. So he said, well, Lord, I have this much money. And the Lord said to him, would you give it to me? Now, he said, my first thought was fear. That was my first thought. And that's what the enemy will do. He said, but my second thought was, the Lord asked me. He asked me. And he said, yes, yes, Lord, I would love to do this. So he and Melody gave everything away, everything they had, all the cash, everything. By the end of the next calendar business year, so longer than 12 months, it was the rest of that year and then another calendar business year. He having his quiet time one day and the Lord said to him, hey, go add up those four accounts. And he said, it's, it's okay, it's all right, I'm good. I, I trust you, it's good the lord said to him no no it's it's all right just trust me go go look at him and he went and looked at all four accounts now get this in just a little over a year later all four accounts had more than twice as much in every account and god said what took you 15 years to do i did it in one year i could have done it in one day son I'm just simply saying, I'm not asking you to give everything. I'm not asking anyone here to do that, anyone. I'm asking you though to give everything God tells you to. And let me just tell you, when God does give you the opportunity to give an extravagant gift, it'll be the greatest thing. You will look back on it for the rest of your life. Thinking we gave this we it was such a joy for us to do that. So here's the, the third point I want to share with you is the reward of generosity. The reward of generosity. Uh, Now, this same story that we read in John 12 is also in Matthew and in Mark. Let me read you one verse from Mark. Mark 14, verse 9 says, Assuredly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Okay. Notice I said the reward of generosity, Um, she was rewarded where Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be told. She, she, she got a reward, but she didn't come to give her, get a reward. She just came to give. I asked you, well, why, why did Satan, I mean, why did, why did Judas, why was he so upset about this? Well, we know it's because he was a thief, that's why, and stole from God. Why, though, did Mary give such a generous gift? Let me answer that question. Because two months before this, her brother, Lazarus, had been raised from the dead. See, generosity comes from gratitude. Grateful people are generous. Well, let me ask you something. If one of your family members was raised from the dead, would you be grateful? (laughs) And do you think that might change the way you give to God? I think it changed. By the way, when I say one of your family members, let me just remind you All of you who believe in Jesus have been raised from the dead because Ephesians says we were dead in our trespasses and sins and he made us alive. We were buried with him and raised to walk a new life. But I want you to understand that she did not come to be rewarded, but God rewarded her. God always rewards generosity. Now let me, let me give you the definition of generosity though. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is when you give and think that God owes you something. That's selfishness. Generosity is when you give to not get anything back. But here's the amazing thing. God always rewards that. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder is a, a Greek, comes from a Greek word that's only in the Bible one time. Only in the New Testament, one time. And it's, it's a five syllable Greek word and nearly every syllable means when you put them together and all the, from the root and all means to pay what is due. But there's one syllable that changes it and it means to reward with extravagance, to give more than what is due. It's like if uh, someone lost his wallet And you returned it, and instead of giving you a $50 reward, he gives you a $5,000 reward. He said, well, there's only, you know, $50 in the wallet. This is, this is too much, okay? He's not rewarding the amount that you returned. He's rewarding your honesty, the attitude of your heart. See, it's not the amount, it's the attitude of our heart that God rewards And he always rewards. You have to understand, uh, let me say a double negative grammatically. God cannot not reward you. He's going to reward you if you give with the right heart. Here's the reason why. Because it says God is a rewarder. He is. This is something he is. In other words, God can't lie to you because he is truth. He can't lie because he he is truth. He is truth. He is a rewarder. Lots of times God has blessed us financially, but there's a difference between being blessed and being rewarded. He blesses us with finances, but Genesis 12 12 tells us what his reward is. He said, your reward will be me. I'll reward you with myself. He rewards you with himself. In other words, it affects every area of your life. So I'm going to tell you something that happened, and then I'm going to give you the rest of the story that I've never told you. Okay, I shared one time this with you a testimony, but I've never shared the rest of the story Uh, There was a single mom in our church and she was uh, The lord was dealing with her about tithing And I shared the message about the thousand dollars and this was a few years ago I shared the message about thousand dollars how much tithe, and that week she'd made a thousand dollars And it was the first time she'd made a thousand dollars in a week And i'm sharing about a thousand dollars and the tithe is a hundred dollars And she's just getting more and more convicted that she needs to put God first in her life. So, at the end of the service, she gets her checkbook out. She writes out a check. And when she's about to put $100, the Lord said to her, add $20. And she said, Lord, this is going to be a struggle for me to do this. A tithe. And he said, yeah, but I want you to give an offering also. And she said, I sat there and struggled and struggled and struggled. Finally, I wrote the check for $120, put it in the offering box before I left. She's walking out to her car. Now, I need you to know this. There was, there is a man in our church that for years and years and years has carried $100 bills in his wallet and gives them to people when God tells him. He sees this woman walking to us, to her car, and the Lord says, go give that woman a $100 bill. So he reaches in his wallet, pulls it out. And right beside the hundred dollar bill was a twenty dollar bill, and the Lord said, Give her the twenty-two. And he said, um, Lord, I give hundred dollar bills. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for years, and this is and the Lord said, No, you obey. That's what you do. And he said, When you give her the other twenty, she'll know why. Now, isn't that amazing? She writes a check for $120. There's a guy that gives hundreds, but he gives her 20. So I tell this story to the whole church just a few years ago. I tell, I tell all of you. I go home, and that night we'd invited the kids over for dinner. And it was just shortly after my daughter had come back to the Lord. My daughter lived a, a double life for a while, and I've shared that with you, and she shares it in, when she speaks. But it wasn't very long, and I was so grateful for my daughter coming back to the Lord so all the kids come over my daughter says can I talk to you for a minute and I said yeah and so we went in my office she gets these tears in her eyes and she says story you told today about the man that gives the hundred dollars away I said yeah she said that's you isn't it I said yeah sugar that's me And just so you know, by the way, I didn't lie to you guys. I just said, there's a man in our church and I'm, I'm in the church. Okay. But I just didn't want to say it was me. I just wanted to just, I wanted the emphasis to be on what God had done. And so I said, why, why'd you think that was me? She said, because the whole time we were growing up, when you started telling that story, I was remembering all those times that you would get out of the car and you'd go talk to someone and you'd put something in their hand. She said, I had probably 10 or 15 memories come back to me. She said, you were given $100 bills, weren't you? I said, yeah. And my daughter, who'd been away from the Lord, looked at me and said, Daddy, I want to be like you. going to be like you one day that's a reward
0: i've been a christian for almost 20 years and i love when i can hear preaching that changes my mind about uh what i a misconception that i had I've always read scripture and overlooked this part about reward and true riches and thought wrongly, thought too terrenially about it, thought it was just an earthly thing. And over the years, uh, I've shared right when I became a Christian, when I was 15, I was taught about these things about tithing. Um, So back when my tithes was like $6.42, it was hard for me, but I started there. Over the years, I've seen the Lord take care of me in so many ways. He's blessed us financially. We haven't wavered on this teaching. We don't feel like we can. But here's a misconception I've had until this year, all these years, about my understanding of tithing and rewards and, and uh, blessing versus true riches. I've seen from this week and then the teaching two weeks ago that When God promises to bless us, and when He's talking about true riches, it's not that He's sustained me uh, financially or or with His providence with earthly things. The true riches is Himself. And it's my relationship with, with you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the eternal riches that I have in friendship with you and the knowledge of the Lord. It's true riches, it's eternal riches. Everything else is going to burn. But when we come to know Jesus and we're set in, in right relationship with others, he sets everything else straight in our life. That's what only he can do. True riches. This week, we're... Seeing God redeem this area of of our finances, and we 're going to be talking about it in our growth groups and uh, we encourage you to come and process these things and talk and pray with other people about what God has so extravagantly done for us in giving us Jesus, because when we get together and we see the riches of his kingdom and our relationship it 's a lot different than just a financial thing we're getting to experience the riches of what he's done together instead of worrying about earthly things. We can experience the riches of this, okay? And I'm encouraging you to do that this week. If you need more information about how to connect with our growth groups, if you're not uh, yet connected, don't be in a hurry to leave, okay? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would open your eyes to see others in need, And open your ears to hear him as he challenges you to be uh, an extravagant, painful type of giver. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the the obedience that we've seen. That we've seen seen as we've preached about uh, witnessing to other people. We've seen people step out. And we've seen lives change. We've seen Jesus' people come to know you. As we've been teaching about this, we've seen people align their lives and their finances with what your word says. And Lord, we know that this is a foundation for your kingdom, that you're continuing to advance your kingdom. And Lord, I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking that you would open our ears to hear you with the adventure of giving and the adventure of obedience. And you open our eyes to see others in need even as we leave here. Lord, let us enjoy you like never before as we wait on you, as we celebrate the holidays, and as as all those nostalgic Christmas feelings come back, let us surrender all of everything to you and see the joy and adventure of it all. In Jesus' name, amen.